help him looking boyish, but he had a bloom of youth that he didn't deserve and that his contemporaries resented given his lifestyle. No thinning hair as yet, not even a sprinkling of grey in his thick brown hair. He was definitely a handsome man in anyone's books, but as he gazed out of the window, there was a frown marring his features that Lucy didn't like. She suddenly felt a need to reassure both him and herself. This wasn't the first time she'd woken him from a nightmare lately. She patted the empty space in the bed beside her. Come back to bed. Mickey shook his head. He was wide awake now, the adrenaline of the dream still pumping through his body, and his head was already whirring with the problems the day held in store for him. He reflected grimly that he had no respite these days. Only a brief half hour after the first few glasses of wine in that mellow period between being relaxed and becoming totally plastered. Why could he never stop at that point? Why did he insist on getting completely shit-faced, so he became melancholy, his fears waxed rather than waned, and his sleep was troubled? He turned to look at his wife. She was wearing the necklace she'd had on in the dream, and didn't look a day older than the day he'd married her. But then why should she? She had nothing to worry about. She knew nothing of his problems, that was for sure. What are you doing today? he asked her. Well, the girls are breaking up for Christmas tomorrow. I've got to hit the supermarket and do a big shop. Big shop? Big bill? Why? Sophie's always on a diet and Georgie only eats treacle sandwiches. Lucy grinned. Well, I've run out of treacle and I need to start stocking up for Christmas. I'm not going to get caught out again this year. As soon as she said it, she had a vision of herself at the end of a huge queue in Sainsbury's. It was her annual ritual, resolving to be organised and failing. But there were always better things to do than make lists and fill the freezer. Mickey walked over and dropped a kiss on her forehead. She caught a whiff of the sweat that had now dried on him. It smelled of panic, not exertion. And she suddenly felt glad he'd chosen not to come back to bed. Lucy wasn't fastidious, but the smell was unfamiliar on him. It unsettled her. Moments later, as the warm water washed away the remnants of his dream, Mickey considered the day ahead. He resolved to be positive and confront his problems for a change, instead of seeking out one of the displacement activities he was so fond of, the ones that helped him avoid the real world. He'd get to the brewery early, try to get on top of the mountain of paperwork he knew was waiting for him. It was unlikely to have disappeared. It had been there for months. As it was still so early, he decided to walk. He usually drove, which was pretty inexcusable, as the brewery was scarcely three-quarters of a mile from the house. But today he thought the exercise would do him good. It might clear his head a bit. He could always get Lucy to pick him up later if he couldn't face the walk home. It was a brewing day, which meant scruffy clothes rather than a jacket and tie. So he pulled on jeans and one of the dark green polo shirts he'd recently had made up with the brewery logo on the left breast. They'd been an attempt to establish some sort of corporate identity at Honeycoat Ales. Make it look as if he had his finger on the pulse and was in control. It was funny how something so simple managed to paper over the cracks. Everyone had been very impressed. Lucy had fallen back to sleep, so he slipped out of the bedroom carrying his boots and went down into the kitchen. It was unusually quiet. This room that was so very much the heart of the house... He knew that in an hour or so's time it would be full of life. Sophie would be filling the liquidizer with fruit and yoghurt, making one of her revolting smoothies, 
bemoaning their lack of a juicer. Georgina would be toasting thick sliced white bread on the agar, while Patrick, always the last up, would be drinking thick black coffee, unable to communicate until he'd had his fix of caffeine. Mickey didn't relish the unnatural silence. He found it disconcerting rather than relaxing. So he grabbed a banana from the fruit bowl, picked up his wax jacket from the back of the chair where he'd left it the night before, and slipped out of the door. Thrusting his hands deep into his pockets, he walked down the drive and out of the gates of Honeycoat House, turning right, and carried on at a brisk pace until he reached the village. There were a surprising amount of inhabitants abroad, even at this early hour. A suited executive drove past in his BMW, en route to Eldenbury, two miles away. The little market town boasted a much-coveted station on the main line to Paddington, which brought London within a commutable ninety minutes for those who wanted to retreat to the Cotswolds each night.